My name is Mimi Bouchard, and I'm a personal development junkie that is here to help you transform your life so that you can truly tap into your ultimate potential. I'm a meditation teacher and a podcaster, and in this podcast, I am raw, I am real, and I share everything I possibly can to make this journey of self-discovery and transformation easier for you. Enjoy. Everybody, I'm so excited to introduce to you John Asraf. He's been on the podcast before, and I had to have him on again because he is a hub of knowledge. He's incredible, so inspiring, so motivating, and he's just so great to listen to. So welcome, John. Thank you so much for coming back on. It's so great to be back on. I'm so happy for all the things you're doing, the successes you're having, and the people that you're helping most of all. Thank you so much. That that really means a lot coming from you. And everyone, if you haven't met John before, you have to go listen to our first episode we did together. It was so incredible. And um, yeah, so just just a bit about you before we get into it, because a lot of people may be new to you or they love your work and they just want to hear more. Um, Can you give us like a very quick elevator pitch backstory, what you do, how you got to where you are and who you help? Sure. So, like everybody else, I'm uh, I'm a traveler, right? I'm on the uh, I'm on the journey of life, looking to be you know healthy and happy and to contribute. And my passion is the human brain. So I'm a behavioral neuroscientist and an entrepreneur, uh, specializing in goal achievement versus goal setting. And the reason I chose neuroscience is everything that's happening is happening in our heads. And so I've been fascinated with this $100 billion brain that each one of us has, and um, how to use it better to achieve more of what we want and to move away from what we don't want. So I've built a a bunch of companies over the last, I guess, 40 years now. And uh, so now I just, I I teach, I write, I share, and um, I have a few New York Times bestselling books. I've been in 10, 10 movies, and uh, now I just have fun contributing and hopefully making people's lives better. You know what I love about your work? It's you really bridge the science with the spirituality, and that is where I love to live. It's like, you know, a little bit of that energy kind of woo stuff, but then a lot of the science hard, you know, more factual, um, well, I guess on paper, more factual work and and something you can really explain and and pinpoint. So what do you think that perfect balance is? Because you're all about, you know, neuroscience and neurology, but then you were also in the movie, The Secret, and you're really into the law of attraction and aligning your energy with what you desire to make it reality. So what would you say to some people that maybe on the fence um, when it comes to that kind of work and and how do you bridge them together so beautifully? Sure. So, you know, what if we just considered that science and spirituality are just the polar sides of a coin, the opposite sides of a coin? And what if they were just interconnected, right? So if if we maybe thought a little bit differently about spirituality and let's take away religion for just a moment, Okay, a lot of people confuse religion and spirituality versus science. And so what if we said and we asked ourselves, what is it that we know to be factual scientifically? Okay, well, we know that uh, everything is made up of something that we call is energy, which is nothing more than vibrating packets, you know, of waves uh, and particles. Uh, and then if we shift it over to spirituality, what does spirituality say? Well, spirituality says that there's this 
energy. There's this intelligence that permeates all space and time. Um, and religions call it a different name. So let's leave the name aside. Um, we have different names for the word water in every different language. So we can call, you know, water, water. It's, it's no different in China than it is in Antarctica, than it is in Alaska or Bahamas for that matter. It's water. It doesn't matter what the name is that you call it. So when we're talking about science, science is looking to prove unequivocally how nature works, how you and I work. What is the fabric of space-time and what is the essence of uh, thought? What is the essence of energy? What's the essence of how our brain functions or how wind, which we've never seen, works, right? So science looks to prove out these things that spirituality um, and people who have um, uh, followed the spiritual practices of, let's say, meditation that have had insights into deeper levels of consciousness. And so they're both working together as opposite sides of the same coin. And sometimes we get into this metaphysical explanations. And listen, some people take that too far, right? And science is factual, repeatable, replicatable, where spirituality in some cases is um, based on what I sense, what I think, what I feel with my experiences that we can't yet prove. So they're both working together synergistically. And so I love the medical, metaphysical side of it. And if you look at um, any of the work by Einstein or Nikola Tesla, who worked with understanding energy because he had these premonitions of how, you know, electricity works and, and how energy fields worked. Um, that is really the science and the spirituality side of it, the metaphysical. So that's, that's my, my play on the two. And they're, they're both real. Um, some we have ability to explain and some we're like, here's what we think may be happening. Yeah. And the coincidences are uncanny. You know, like if, if someone, this is what I tell people that come up to me and say, you know, I don't know if I believe in this stuff, this whole aligning your energy with what you want to manifest what you want in your life. Right. And sometimes I actually avoid using the word manifestation when I speak to people and instead I say, right. Because it has such a, you know, underlying misconception potentially to it. And the truth is that these maybe non-believers or people that don't really understand it or think it's true, I would just tell them, you know, just try it. Like, what does it feel like in your body? And this is what I do in my meditations as well. It's like, I get you into this state of like, what does it feel like in your body to be living your future, your desired future now? And what does it feel like physically? Like, what, what, what are the sensations, you know? And then the more you feel that way, and I've seen it happen in my own life tremendously over the past five years, like just the more that you align with where you want to be, everything in your life just starts to unfold for you to be there. And then you wake up one morning and it happens. And then you think to yourself, oh, I knew it was going to happen because it's so embedded inside of you because for so long you practiced what it was like to be that way. Has the same kind of thing happened to you? Because it's it's incredible once you just practice it and it just it just comes to life, you know? Sure. Yeah. I think there's um, some misconceptions. And one of the things that I, you know, I often look for ways to explain um, life and ways to explain our experience. And so let's say you're in London and you want to, um, you know, 
get to know London. You can get in a helicopter and fly around London. You go, oh, wow, look, London's wonderful. But if you really want to get to know London, you might pick a, you know, an area, Knightsbridge, and you might take the helicopter and land and then walk around. You go, oh, my God, Knightsbridge is great. But you don't know all of London. You may know a little bit of section of London. But then there's another version say, let's get a tour guide who's been around this area to show us Knightsbridge or other parts of London. And then you get to know it at a little bit deeper level. And then we say, you know what? I love this so much. I want to move here for a year. Now really experience it. Now, every person at each layer says, oh my God, I've experienced London. So the same is true with manifestation and people that may say, well, I don't know if this works. Well, if you're playing at the surface of the game, of course, you may not know if it works. But if you go a little bit deeper past the surface, and you ask yourself some questions like, what is this molecular thing, okay, that I call is my body? If I looked at it with an electron microscope, would I not see molecules and atoms and vibrating packets through the microscope? And the answer is yes. Now, well, what is that made up of? And the answer is, well, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, and carbon. Elements that we cannot see with our physical eyes, but they're there and they're coalesced into this sentient being that we call as a human. So, you know, as we're connecting in different parts of the world right now, the energy of my body, right, is being transmitted through the camera that I'm looking into right now that's capturing these vibrating packets of energy in this physical state through space and time so that you can see me and everybody else can see us later on, okay, uh, on their screen. Well, that light that's coming in through your eyes is being processed by your brain that's been evolving for two plus billion years in some capacity or another. Two plus million years, excuse me, right? And so when we think a little bit deeper than that, the question then becomes, if I have thoughts, do they affect the vibratory rate of this thing that I call is my body? And we know the answer is yes. So if I'm thinking positive, empowering, constructive thoughts, is it possible that that is what my brain allows me to see in this sea of energy that we're all in? Hmm, interesting question. Is it possible that the polar opposite of that, if I am thinking, I don't believe this. I don't know if this works. I'm not good enough. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too white. I'm too black. I'm too Asian, too Caucasian, whatever it is, that that also creates a vibratory rate of this molecular structure called me. Hmm, it's worth, worth thinking about. And then if it's true that our brain is deleting and distorting things that we are not in resonance with, then is it possible that I am obstructing the things that I may not believe are true by my very nature of not believing it? The answer is that's exactly what science is proving is happening in this quantum field that we are participating in. And so there's a little stuff for people to think about because it's deep. What I just went through is it's pretty deep, but if we really want to go beneath the surface, all right, and use our higher cortical functions, then I would suggest that 
we are able to make progress and we're able to achieve more of what we desire by focusing on it, by embodying it, right? Feeling it, but also by taking action towards it. Yes, exactly. Now that, that is not just the law of attraction, you know, the way some people think about it, like, you know, sitting there like some kind of a monk and, you know, through your window, a bird flies in with a million dollars and drops it on your lap. It doesn't work that way. The bird may be outside with it, but you need to go out and meet the bird. Yes, exactly. I couldn't agree more. So many people that are in this work, I think, believe in that that other kind of way of thinking of, you know, you're just going to visualize it and you don't need to change yourself at all. You don't need to change your actions. It's just going to come to you. And honestly, it's never that that's never happened to me. But what I've, what I've realized is that when you do the work of becoming your future self before you actually get there, becoming the kind of person that has what you want, your actions start to change and it becomes effortless to change. So that is, I think, the secret sauce, in my opinion. It's like, you know, if I'm embodying the energy of the Mimi that has, I don't know, like an amazing, fit, healthy body, I'm naturally going to be doing those things that that version of me does. So I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to have my green smoothie. I'm going to go on a long walk. I'm going to do Pilates, whatever that means for me, right? And doing those actions as part of my self-image, if I've conditioned myself to be that way, therefore it's easier for me to do it because I'm not resisting. And I think that is where this work really comes in in a special way because you're changing your self-image as you change, you know, your energy and how you're feeling because it's aligned with what you want. And therefore it's going to be easier to take action and you're going to take a lot more action because of that. Yeah. And then you mentioned two words just in that little exchange, um, effortless. It's not effortless, like no work. Yeah. Um, It's not uh, stressless. It's stressless, but there is some stress in the growth, right? There is some effort in the manifestation, but it's effort less than working hard, right? When we are in alignment spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically with that which we seek or desire or want to create, now we are in harmony. A a really good visual that I love to use is is this. Imagine that... um, you are the leader of your own little rock band or your own little band, all right? And and imagine that your job as the leader of the band is to make sure that the musicians in your band um, and you, let's say you're the vocalist, you're the lead singer. Um, Imagine your job is to create coherence and harmony between the music and the instrumental, uh, the instruments, vocal and instruments of your playing. If you can play in harmony and coherence, it sounds freaking beautiful. But if one of the band members is off, it just doesn't work. It's like something is off. It's effort more versus effort less. So is it possible, just thinking, is it possible that when we create music, when we write music, when we practice it, and you know, we're trying to get everybody in harmony and in coherence, When that happens, it's like, oh, my God, that sounds so good. That feels so good because there's harmony. Hmm. Is it possible that that also translates 
to every other area of our life. That when we are, as I mentioned, I, I call it my SEMP model, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically in alignment, doing the right things in the right order at the right time, it feels like we're just, it's like flowing. It's like, wow, I didn't realize it's so easy. And when one of those things or two of those things are off, it just doesn't flow as well. So is it possible one of the skills that us humans maybe should learn to upgrade is how do I get more in harmony and flow? Mm -hmm. How do you? What do you what do you suggest? Yeah, so there's a, a variety of ways that I do it. So for my spiritual practices, there's what you love to talk about a lot, and that's meditation. So that is to be able to use a variety of different meditations at different times using different techniques to connect with, to remember, to become one with that which created me and is me. This coherence of spiritual awareness and belonging. Part one. Two is how do I make sure that I manage my emotions, which are all triggered in my subconscious mind that then cause feelings, which most people are not even aware of. So how do I learn to be aware of and then manage my emotions instead of letting them manage and control me into a reactive state? That's a skill and a practice that we can learn. Then we have mental or mindset. How do I lock and load, stay focused on what it is that I want versus what I don't want? Is it possible that the razor's edge between those who manifest and create and have versus those who maybe don't have as much or create as much of what they want? Is it possible that it's this really thin razor's edge line of being able to focus my intention? and attention. Of course it is. Number four, is it possible that on the physical plane, right? Because we live on, you know, on this physical plane on planet earth, you know, with people and cars and oceans and wind and rain and sleet and hail. Is it possible that on this physical earth, there are certain behaviors, okay, that create results, Well, of course, what I do or what I don't do creates my results. So is it possible that if I learn how to, for example, uh, be healthy, uh, financial health, emotional health, mental health, physical health, um, relationship health, career health, if I learn the skills to play the health, wealth, relationships, career, business, fun, and experiences and charitable games that we're here on earth playing, is it possible that the better I get at the games that are skills, the easier it becomes? Well, of course it is. So now we're dealing with a complex game called life. And if you're playing it at the surface, most of the time you're going to be a victim because you don't even know the rules of the games. But if you dare to go a little bit deeper into your psyche, into your emotions, into your soul, and you dare to explore, um, you will achieve results uh, that are uncommon in today's world. Because a lot of people are, you know, are distracted and a lot of people are thinking about fast food. I want it fast. And there's some things that just take a little bit of time. Wow. 
Incredibly well said. And I love what you just mentioned there about the victim mentality. Let's talk about that. Being a victim and taking responsibility for your life. You know, a lot of people are caught up in that victim mentality of, no, I can't be successful because my parents didn't have money or because I don't have this or because this person, it's never self-responsibility. So, and I know you agree with me on this, taking responsibility for your life is, is just the number one rule. <laughs> you just have to. So what do you think about this topic and what would you tell people that seem to succumb to that victim mentality um, by default? So listen, a lot of times um, we learn to be victims, um, whether it's our parents, our teachers, society, our environment. We're uh, taught in a lot of cases to blame over there. It's because of that. Uh, it's because of him. It's because of her. It's because of what happened to me when I was a child. Uh, and I get that. But the question I would like to pose to people is this. If there was a way, just say, if there was a way to use whatever happened to you or is happening to you in a way that it happened for you, or is happening for you, would you want to learn how to do that? If there was a way. And if your answer is, nah, I'm not interested. Okay, great. Then live your life the way it is and, and just accept your lot in life. But if you would like to discover a way to use any trauma, any past, whether it was your parents, your teachers done to you, whatever it is, if you would like to discover how you can use that in a way to lift you up instead of tear you down, then I invite you into the world of neuroscience and neuropsychology. Because now we can use some techniques like framing and reframing techniques to see things differently. And Wayne Dyer had a famous, famous quote that I love. And he said, when you change the way you look at something, the thing that you look at changes. So for example, when this little exercise has been done with victims of rape, okay? And research was done on people who uh, were decimated and victimized their whole life as a result of the rape versus people that took the experience, which was horrific, and rose, the only difference was this. The people who allowed the circumstance of rape to decimate them kept focusing on the experience and how they were victimized, which they were. But the people who rose as a result of it says, as a result of being victimized, I'm going to use that to make sure nobody else is. I'm going to use that to develop more self-confidence, more certainty, more personal power because of that. A simple shift in the frame changed their thought process, their energy, but it also changed their behavior, which changed their results. So the very art and science of a technique, a reframing technique that many people use. For example, there are some people that tell you uh, because they had cancer, it was the best thing that ever happened to them because yeah. it caused them to love life. And now there's other people saying, oh my God, how could cancer be the best thing that ever happened to you? Same with people who've gone through divorce. Same with people who've gone bankrupt. In many cases, the event 
was the catalyst for their growth. So is it possible that a skill we should be teaching kindergartners and learning ourselves and getting better every day is a better way of asking questions, a better way of reframing things so that we lift ourselves up instead of put ourselves down? Yeah. But we have a $100 billion brain. We just need to learn how to use it a little bit better. Wait, so tell me about this $100 billion brain. I haven't heard that concept before. Why is it $100 billion? Uh, it's actually more than, more than that. But if you think about the human brain, the most sophisticated computers in the world that we've spent hundreds of billions creating cannot do what the human brain does. Every one of us has one without any loans on it. So we already own it. Is it possible we're just not well-versed in operating it? Right. The, um, the body of work I've done for the last 40 years on just myself uh, is what I call is inner size. And I don't know, Mimi, if I if I sent you my my newest book called Inner Size, but you know how we can exercise to strengthen our muscles and internal organs. Well, for example, meditation is an inner size, right, to strengthen your core neuromuscles of your brain. Well, we have neuromuscles around self-confidence, self-esteem, self-worth, awareness, focus, intention, attention, behavior, habits. I can go on and on and on, but most people have never thought that I own the most powerful biocomputer in the known universe. I already own it. And if I ask people, which I do a lot, how often and how much do you train your brain? Most people go, What's that? Right? And it's just ignorance, not knowing that there are certain things that we're learning about the human brain uh, that I call my $100 billion brain that I just want to become a better operator. And if we're playing the game of life, we're either going to play it at the kindergarten level, grade school level, high school level, university level, pro level, all-star team or hall of fame. Like that, that, that's the options that we have. And since every brain works the same, this is, the, this is the thing, every brain works the same, except for obviously anomalies, then we can all become better operators of it. We can all have a better experience just by using what we already have better. Incredible. And I need to buy your book. This is like literally music to my ears. I want to read more about this and learn more about the science behind it all. And, you know, I love how, how big of an advocate you are for meditation. What are some other tools that some listeners can take home and also buy your book, of course, but what are some of your top tools um, that people can, can hear right now and, and really just start instantly applying to their life to train their brain better? Sure. So one of the things that we know about the human brain is that um, there are, there's a hierarchy of how it works. So for example, the human brain was um, created and is developed to regulate um, bl uh, blood flow, to regulate sugar, to regulate salt, to be able to manage our safety and survival above all else, right? So anything in the physical world or even internally that we may think about that our brain deems or perceives as threat, okay, creates a, an electrical storm and a, a flood of neurochemicals that are for fight, flight, freeze, or fainting. 
those are the four F's, okay, of what the brain does when it, when it feels like there's danger, real or imagined danger. The second thing that it does is it'll do more to avoid real or imagined pain or discomfort than it will to gain pleasure. So when we want to achieve a goal that may require us to change, change causes us to feel uncomfortable. Why? Because it is metabolically expensive because we have to use conscious effort versus automatic processes that we've developed for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And so anytime that there is a change required for us to achieve a goal, we become cognitively lazy to conserve energy. So we're focusing on survival and safety. We're focusing on avoidance of pain or discomfort. We're trying to do this while conserving energy before we focus on achieving the pleasure that we want. So in most cases, when we want to level up our game, whether it's relationship, career, business, financial, it is metabolically expensive because we have to learn something new. We have to behave in ways where maybe we didn't behave consistently before. And so that means that we have to be more aware of our thoughts. We have to be more aware of the emotions and we have to have the skills to override the natural desire not to change. So how do we do that? How, like, how do we do that knowing that our brain does not want change? By the time we're 13 years old, something called our neuroplasticity switch turns off where it's been mostly on for 13 years, developing these new patterns, these new uh, awarenesses, these new habits, these new perspectives, these new paradigms. And then from 13 into our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, we just reinforce those patterns mostly from our parents, from modeling years and experiential years. And so one of the things I do and I teach every one of my students is say, okay, um, here is where you are today. Here's the results you've achieved today. Awesome. Now, what is the future vision that you have? Let's say five years from now or three years from now or even a year from now. You know, okay, so I want to achieve this. I want to have this. I want to be this. I want to experience that. I want to go here. I want to give that. And we say, okay, that's a future state. That's kind of like your future destiny. Now, your current identity isn't aligned with your future destiny. Your current identity is aligned with your current results and self. So how do I change my identity and the character traits of that to match my future destiny? Hmm, how do I do that? So is it possible that if I got really clear on what I want to achieve, and then I used a variety of different parts of my brain to set a course, a path towards that. Now I have the vision, which gives my brain clarity. Now I have the path, like a, um, a pilot will set a course for where she wants to take the plane and land. And then what if, for example, Every day, instead of having this vision and these goals and, and how I'm going to achieve it stuck in a drawer or on my computer, so what if every day part of my practice was to review that to reinforce that pattern in my brain? What if every day I connected with that mentally, I connected with it emotionally, I connected with it at the gut level, which is a huge part of the intelligence uh, part of our being, 
And what if then I said, okay, today, here are the three things that I'm going to do just to move towards that. And what if I visualized it because I would be activating my occipital lobe in my brain, a very big part of my brain. It's connected to my behavioral center in my brain. It's connected to my uh, motivational reward center in my brain. What if I deliberately made a habit of visualizing, emotionalizing, and behaving three little steps every day, just a little bit towards that. Is it possible that since my brain loves to automate anything I repeat, is it possible that repetition is not only the mother of learning and skill, but whatever we practice, we make permanent? Is it possible that visualization is simulation and whatever we simulate, we automate? Is it possible that now I'm starting to use my brain better by choosing what I want, by programming it or conditioning it to a new baseline daily? Meditation is one of them. Visualization is another one. You could use self-talk, emotional regulation, mental contract. There are 10, 15 different ways, okay? Just like there's 10 different ways to build your bicep muscle, there's 10 different ways to build your neuro muscles. Why not do both? Why not really start to train my brain to help me achieve more of what I want and to let go of the things that may not be serving me. Let go of the things that may be destructive patterns instead of constructive patterns. Create empowering, moving forward patterns versus disempowering retroactive patterns. If our biggest gift that the creative intelligence that created us gave us was choice, maybe we can become better at choosing, you know, what we want and what we do. And maybe if we learn the art of patience, allowing, surrendering, accepting, and then directing, we could be moving towards what we want to achieve instead of being victims of what is. Beautifully said. Okay, so one question to wrap this up. How long does it take? Someone listening might not, right now might really feel like they're not in a great place in life. They're stagnant. They want change and they want to really just dive in and do the work, but it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. So how, how long does it take to change and, and really condition your mind to think differently and be differently? So the instant that you start it, change has begun, Right. So let me give you a different visual, just so we understand. There's something called the law of gestation or incubation in nature. So if I had a carrot seed and I planted it, it would take about 85 days for it to go from carrot seed to carrot. Um, sperm and egg, when they connect and create uh, a, um, a human embryo, it takes about 285 days. It's a little bit more complex. So the answer is it depends. So if somebody's 100 pounds overweight and they start to diet and sleep well and exercise, you could see measurable progress starting on day one, but they're not going to lose all 100 pounds on day one. You might need surgery for that if you want to do it faster. 
Okay. So the first thing to understand is change happens the instant you instigate change. Now, is change permanent in one day? No. All of the latest research at the University of London, actually, Mimi, that came out several years ago, was that um, when you understand that beliefs, habits, perspectives, paradigms are nothing more than reinforced neural patterns in the brain that go from conscious effort to an unconscious pattern that runs automatically, that's called automaticity. Now, the way that it works is this. According to the latest science, it takes between, and this is a weird number, 66 days and 365 days to override an old pattern that's been reinforced. So all of my students, whether it's in my winning game of money program or fear program or procrastination program or business program or weight loss program, I get all my students to agree to one thing, 100 days to build your foundation. Give me 100 days without really, I mean, you'll, you'll see amazing results, but give me 100 days before you give up on yourself. Why? Well, what if you knew that in order for you to get a decent cardiovascular shape, it took 100 days? Would you say, well, on day 40, well, I'm not in really good cardiovascular shape? Well, we told you it's 100 days. Like, why would you expect 45 days to be the day when the science has proven 66 to 365 days? So, would you be willing to invest 100 days to change the rest of your life? Would you be willing to prove it to yourself that you can do this? You can have more control, more focus, more awareness, better results, because you will achieve amazing results. But can you direct yourself for 100 days to give yourself a real shot of amazing success in every area of your lives? Because if you're not willing to give 100 days to that, okay, then maybe you're not committed to achieving the goals you want. Maybe you're just interested. And so all of my students, I say, if you want to invest in any of my programs, I want you to also commit to 100 days of training your brain. Do that. I promise you, your life will never be the same. Don't do that. I promise you, you'll keep reinforcing the old habits of being impatient, the old habits of not having focus, the old habits of not being committed, the old habits of destructive behaviors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I've been doing this for 40 years. I've got literally hundreds of thousands of students and tens of thousands of success stories from the ones who are committed. And I've got tens of thousands of unsuccessful stories from those who were interested. Oh my gosh, that just gave me chills. I love that. And it's so powerful. Like every single person listening right now, I'm sure is feeling so fired up and I am too. And um, what a great way to end off this episode. Honestly, John, this has been incredible. You are always so motivating, so knowledgeable, and I just love having you on. So where can everyone find you, buy your new book, check you out and uh, support you? Awesome. So Instagram, I'm on there every day doing stuff and posting stuff. So on Instagram at, at John Asraf. Um, you can always go to johnasraf.com uh, to see some of the stuff I'm doing there. Or my company is myneurogym.com, myneurogym.com. And then for any one of my books, uh, go to Amazon 
which is available in 35 languages. Several, I've got four best-selling books. My newest one's called Inner Size, The New Science to Unlock Your Brain's Hidden Power. Uh, it's just become a, a bestseller as well as number one on Amazon. And um, it's really, uh, it'll really give people some deeper level um, thinking about their brain and processes around their brain. And it also comes with nine free brain training audios. Wow. Amazing. Everyone get on that. Thank you so much again, John. Thank you so much, Mimi.